from legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode or go to ipswichtoday.com.au. Coming up, Ipswich Councillor Nicole Jonick reveals when the decision was made to run for council in 2020 and why. In this episode, you'll also hear the background story on the years before council and who inspired Nicole on her chosen career path, what it was like to be a new councillor in Ipswich, the Office of Independent Assessor and its role, council's media policy, and we discuss those anonymous threats to reveal historical drug use. It's Saturday, February 18, 2023, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This interview with Ipswich Councillor Nicole Jonick was recorded in Goodna on February 17. Thank you for speaking with Ipswich today, Nicole Jonick. Thank you, Alan. Before we talk about your current role as a councillor and being thrust into the public spotlight, what is the Nicole Jonick story? Where were you born and where did you grow up? I was actually born in Geelong. Um, my mother obviously grew up in Brisbane, in Salisbury, and my, met my father up here and then they moved back to Geelong and that's where I was born and then mum um, travelled back up to Queensland to be with her family when I was about three in a combi van. Well there's a good cue for my next question. What are your earliest memories? Uh, My earliest memories are looking over the turf farm at Jacob's Well in the middle of the night and looking at the shadows of the trees and thinking they were monsters, Alan. <laughs> That's a terrific memory to have. That's pretty good. <laughs> what about school uh, and people who've influenced you through school years? Uh, so I grew up obviously uh, in Jake as well, uh, in Steglitz Wharf. I went to Wungulba State School. It was a little small country school in the middle of the cane fields. Um, I was guess not a popular child um what do you mean not popular with 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 the folks or with others um with the with the my peers at school I think everyone thought I was a boy until I grew my hair (laughs) my mum used to cut my hair short um, because I never used to brush it and so I finally grew it out in year four and five and I got I gained some respect Alan um uh, but I guess my earliest influence on a teacher um, side of things would be my year seven teacher, Mr. Bray. Um, he was a lovely man and he noticed all of us um, and we're all treated equal. So I really felt like I was special. And as you entered high school, did you have any idea what you wanted to do? And, you know, how did, that, how did those thoughts evolve? Uh, high school um, was Beanley High, so that was the closest school to Jake as well. Um, <clears throat> sorry, that was the big smoke for us, um, Beanley. So when I got there from a, a tiny school to this massive school, it was a little bit confronting. Um, I got teased because I didn't have Nike shoes. I had nice apple pie purple shoes, so I... <laughs> 
drew a tick on it, didn't I? <laughs> and then got teased for drawing a tick on the shoes and it was chaos. Um, so didn't, didn't really fit in very much, um, but did like to learn. And what did you specialise in? Because your, your profession before coming into council is all about numbers and accounting, isn't it? So how, how did that evolve? That started from Mr Bray in Year 7, actually. Um, I remember him uh, telling my mum that I was apt in math and um, that made me feel really special. But I did always like math. Um, it seemed to be, um, I don't know, Just it just made sense to me. Yeah. It's black and white. Maths are always black and white. And white. It tells a story. You know, it answers a lot of questions. It um, makes you ask a lot of questions. Um, and it, yeah, it's, I get lost in it. I could hyper-focus on maths. Starting your own business was a courageous move. How did that come about? Uh, so that came about um, when I was uh, in accounting for a while. Um, I was promoted to the like, state operations manager for the um, firm that I worked for and that was challenging and um, I was uh, left to train all of the staff which was up to 150 staff. I was in charge of uh, answering the tough tax queries from all the offices across Queensland so that was, that was a challenge and I loved it but um, then I fell pregnant and took maternity leave and I had my tax agent's license at the time and the laws in relation to tax agent's licenses were um, you, you had to act um, current in your role in the preparation of tax returns or the like. Um, there was no room for maternity leave. So after my son was born in May of 2013, I was doing tax returns on the dining room table in July 2013 because I didn't want to lose my licence. I worked so hard for it. When did you first become interested in running for council? This is an interesting one, Alan. I, um, it was about 23 days before the election, to be honest with you. Um, I wanted to start... A tax amnesty. So when I had been doing tax all my life, my clients were my friends. I got referrals from so many different people and I was able to help a lot of people get through um, difficult tax situations that had been a burden to them for decades. Um, and I was able to help resolve them within weeks and see the relief so I wanted to advertise that to the masses to say that it's not all doom and gloom there is a way out of this we can write a letter to the commissioner we can um, talk about your extenuated circumstances and we can see if we can wipe sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of penalties and interest and things that stopped these people from getting mortgages it caused addiction it broke down marriages and they could come to us and we could fix it within weeks potentially and the connection with running for council so my father-in-law Lou Bojonic was having a coffee with Paul Tully uh, that uh, one week and I was talking to my best friend and my um, partner in the tax office Amber 
And I'm like, should we um, invite ourselves to the coffee catch-up and then see if he will put us on his Facebook because he's got 30,000 followers. <laughs> yep, and so I did. And that's when I met Paul Tully. Um, and he asked me if I had considered ever running for local government. And I said, no, I um, don't have a law degree. And he said, you don't need one. And I said, oh, okay. He said, you know, you could do a lot more good than just this tax amnesty. And so I thought about it. Over a very short period. Over a 24-hour period of time. Well, you chose to run at what I would call a a major fork in the road for Ipswich after the previous councillors were sacked, then administration, and you're also the first of the bunch of councillors where we have two councillors per division. Mm -hmm. Was that all a bit intimidating? It was all very intimidating, but it was also very exciting. Um, There was a lot of change happening and I could be part of, you know, us moving forward as a city, as a region, and that was really, really tempting to me, really exciting for me. I noted that your campaign with uh, Paul Tully was very well executed, as I would have expected from a uh, a career councillor like Paul. In fact, I did make the prediction before the election that you would be the top two, um, simply because of his name recognition and the Jonic name recognition, particularly in the Goodner area. How did you feel on the night of the election? It was unbelievable when I finally realised that we'd gotten over the line. I can't describe it. Words can't describe it. I was giddy um, and and just all of a sudden really exhausted as well because the the month had caught up to me. We were running so hard. Um, Yeah, but I kind of already had a probability of winning because I did a spreadsheet on it now, so. From memory, there were 11 candidates? There were. The more candidates, the better the chance of the name recognition working. Yes. And and it did. And it did, and um, I don't think many people realise that the Jonic name in the eastern end of Ipswich, um, obviously because we'd had servos, um, towing businesses, a lot of people know my in-laws, and my family, and um, yeah, there's a, there's a strong connection there to Ipswich. After you were sworn in in April 2020, what did the first months look like behind the scenes? It's all about inductions, mastering systems, meeting procedures. W- were councillors overly cautious given the recent history? Absolutely, absolutely. So in our induction, uh, we... We had um, briefings from the Office of the Independent Assessor. Obviously, we'd run through the Triple C reports. It was very, very daunting to me personally. Um, It was very grey. And uh, I know that people don't usually talk about tax legislation as black and white, but to me, because that's what my bread and butter was Mm -hmm. compared to um, local government, it was very grey. And there'd been so many changes, particularly with uh, uh, organisations that the government created to keep an eye on councillors' behaviour and conduct. Uh, Is it fair to say that in the first couple of years, 
the councillors, including yourself, were very much taking the advice of the bureaucracy, uh, which may have slowed up decisions. I think um, it was new legislation that had never been tested. And so looking back in hindsight, we were uh, test dummies, almost guinea pigs, of how this would work. Tax law, you've got your act, you've got your rulings, you've got your case law. Here, we've got this the, uh, new legislation with uh, the OAA uh, and no real case law and decisions being not easily followed as to how they got to whether something was inappropriate or misconduct misconduct or I, I still find it very confusing. Let's stick with the Office of Independent Assessor. Do you think it's being regularly misused to the extent almost of distraction and bogging people down with trivial or what I call get square complaints? Absolutely. It's not just Ipswich either by the look of it. No, no. Uh, I think that the uh, cost for administering the OAA is about $3.5 million annually, and that's on um, the OAA's level. Then you have um, councillors and local governments that uh, would need legal advice, specific legal advice to local government law, and so that comes at a cost as well. And I don't know what that would tally to, but... On that aside, just the time as a resource in fighting some of these just really, I don't know, like coming from the commercial private sector to council, things, things that would, you would deal with in your, in your everyday workplace um, were suddenly thrown against you and it's, uh, yeah, I honestly think that it is, has gone way too far in the wrong direction. The inquiry into the OIA, which was handed to Parliament in October, made 40 recommendations and to quote the report, with the goal of achieving a simpler, streamlined and fairer system for all. Given all that you've experienced, do you think that's possible? I don't think we'll get there in a day, Alan, uh, but anything's possible. And if I can focus on one recommendation, and that was uh, that matters that have been dismissed or deemed to require no further action no longer be recorded on councillors or on councils register for councillors. Is that a good idea? Um, well, I don't think that it shouldn't be recorded as such. I think that if even if it was trivial, it should still be visible. If there's nothing to hide, why not put it out there, labelled appropriately? It could also have the effect of uh, uh, the same complaint being repeated by several people. It could be a deterrent. Mm. Mm. Moving back to your role as councillor, what have been the surprises, what you imagined the job, to what really happens? I don't think I had time to imagine what the job would be like. <laughs> um, I, I realised in accounting that one of the biggest passions that I have is people, dealing with people and working with people. And so that was what I was hoping to get out of council and helping people. And that's definitely what I've, I've achieved and what I've seen and what I love about being a counsellor. 
Um, but I think <laughs> this is going to sound really stupid too, but the politics of it, Alan, like I, again, I don't come from a political background. I followed politics like my parents followed politics on the cane farms and um, having their own businesses and looking at you know where funding would come from to pay the bills for the next four years based on what industry they were in Uh, and then in tax looked at the tax legislation implications of parties and what how that would impact my clients that that was about the end of what I thought about politics Um, And politics can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. And I think the definition of politics for me has changed since I have been elected. Well, sticking with Ipswich Council, uh, the council has decided to elect a deputy mayor for each 12-month period, which is unusual in recent Ipswich history. I can't recall when it happened or if it's happened previously. Uh, Do you think that's been a good idea three years in? Uh, again, in hindsight, and it's always a beauty, isn't it? Uh, I, I don't think it has been a great idea. I think that it took 12 months to get the bearings of that role uh, and for people to know who you are. People don't even know who their councillor is yet and I don't blame them. Uh, when you're busy in your own life, uh, working raising your family and uh, you don't really and you don't have an issue then it's you know you don't focus on local government really so then to have someone rotated every 12 months um, I think it has been detrimental in that position but you know that's something that we can learn from. When council was under administration I think when Greg Chimello was in charge a media policy was first introduced to Ipswich City Council. It has caused some controversy. It's even attracted the attention of the state government. Uh, The reworking of the policy by councillors did take some time. Uh, Did it have unintended results in your opinion? I think everything has an element of unintention (laughs) when you put things into practice. uh, I think what our intention of uh, that policy was is fundamentally in the principles of the policy which is fair and equitable for all and it's very hard to put that in policy and legislate that when you've got a bunch of elected representatives so hmm, it's quite a conundrum but um, working progress next question Ellen (laughs) Now to more recent events and your shock post on Facebook last month, outing yourself for being charged in relation to marijuana with no conviction recorded. What was happening behind the scenes for you to make that post? Uh, So I recently received, I did not receive, sorry, um, all the councillors and the mayor along with um, some media uh, representatives received an anonymous letter that um, questioned my character and detailed um, events of my past that were supposed to be unrecorded and um, that's what basically prompted that post but prior to that I started receiving black feathers in the mail that were burnt Um, that started in August last year 
and I've received three so far. So um, I guess I wasn't going to let anybody hold anything about myself over me and and yeah I just kind of needed to speak from the heart and get it out there so that um yeah I could be understood well from what I've seen on Facebook you have received tremendous support which must give you heart it does give me heart Alan but I'm not I don't live in the land of Facebook either Mm. um so I know it's only one element um of truth when it comes to the sentiment of the community but I know uh, everyone that knows me well and everyone that I respect supports me and understands and that's what matters. Is there any update on the police investigation? Uh, it is It is continuing um, and I'm assisting them in every effort. So where to from here? Is it, is it a wait and see? It is a wait and see. I can't give too much detail, but I um, I won't let it go either. But I won't let it uh, take up my time as well. I've got so much to do. Um, but I am, you know, it was very... It's really hard to come from a non-political world and, and be and love people and then be respected in your own special specialty and then um, get attacked what felt really personally um, and I can't understand why someone would want to do that to some other to someone else and I uh, and that's hard but I have to move on from that Looking at the council committees, it made great sense that you were appointed the chairperson of economic and industry development. Have you been concerned about the low number of reports being presented to that committee? And in fact, I can remember two meetings at least where there were none. There was, um, there has been several meetings when there's been none. I think I've had the quickest committees um, in the history of Ipswich City Council. Um, the, I guess, my logic for them having no reports in it. I didn't want the organisation to pull reports together just for the sake of um, content in my committee. We were going through um, COVID, recovering from COVID. So the Economic Development Department in Council is not large and they were getting quite um, personal and assisting our businesses as much as they could with COVID and you know resources can only get stretched so far but I was also working on the new economic development strategy throughout that time Um, and I don't think something that would have come out prior to the time that it come out would have landed without needing some auxiliary services because of the pandemic and the impact of the pandemic and what that um, meant for small businesses. Uh, So yes, I definitely understand where you're coming from, Alan, but I am excited for you for this year because you will love the content of my committee. Just over a year to the next council election, what do you still want to achieve in that relatively short period of time? It'll come around quickly. Oh, look, I 
don't have a short to-do list. It is a mile long. I started down the path of uh, tip vouchers. Uh, first and foremost, I'm like, okay, let's get tip vouchers. Everyone was talking about needing them for, and so I looked into our um, our strategy around resource and uh, resource recovery and circular economy, and that was outdated. Um, I think that lapsed in 2017 um, and wasn't reviewed. So then, that was. Uh, something to look at and then I realized that our two refuge stations were over capacity and uh, really dangerous and so then by adding tip vouchers to our services we could morally impact lives as well so then you know th- these layers of ethics kind of mounted up but that's definitely something that I'm still really passionate about and we're working on um, I think that one of our most fundamental things as councillors is the planning scheme and getting the balance right Uh, and that's where we impact you know the environment our residents uh, history the most so that's really important uh, to me but also the the perception of Ipswich and that's never going to be a tick and flick Item. So that's really what's behind my economic development strategy at the end of the day. Should Ipswich go back to single councillor divisions and will you run again in 2024? Oh, million dollar question, Alan. <laughs> you never know. Um, I, I definitely think that single member divisions would actually be a lot easier for people to understand and it would be a lot easier for councillors to manage. So my division uh, went from, I think, about 58,000 residents to 75,000 residents so far. And uh, it's a vast area and I can't, and I own it, but imagine how much I could be or any councillor could be really, really involved if they had just that certain number of suburbs to take care of by themselves. I think there's a real advantage to that. We'll wrap it up here. How are you enjoying your Saturday morning show on River 949? Oh, I love it. I love it. Dave is like a never-ending list of content because I just hang shit on him all the time, <laughs> Alan. It's just like a just he just walks in and it's instant, right? So, um, no, I, I love Dave. He's great. Uh, I also just love to try something new. Uh, we get a lot of uh, really interesting callers. It's great to get just local people on the radio and have a chat and give them like a bit of a elevation, especially local community groups and other small businesses that are just starting out and they might not have a budget for advertising. Um, I love how like ultra local it is. Well, keep having fun on River and in your role as councillor. And thank you so much for speaking with Ipswich today. Thank you, Alan. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australian businesses since 1999. This podcast is also listener-supported. Please make a once-only gift or regular donation to help keep it online. Just go to ipswichtoday.com.au 
and click the donate button on the homepage to make a payment through PayPal. Follow and stream this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio and Amazon Music. Or play Ipswich today on smart speakers. Music is supplied by Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thank you for listening. Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.